Let me ask that every head is bowed, every heart is humbled. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. To uh, Dr. Garland, Dr. Glor, uh, my dear friends, Dr. West and Dr. Gregory, uh, to this amazing faculty, uh, staff, student body, uh, to my wonderful family, uh, the Baileys and the Bailey Robinsons, let me express my sincere thanks and appreciation for the warmth of this privilege and opportunity to come and to share with you on today. I am just as pleased as I can be to be here, and it has been an honor to be on your campus. I want to, for a few minutes, uh, to lift up a passage out of the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 12. It's found between verses 41 and 44. It says, sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny corns worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. Thus ends the reading. I want to talk uh, from the idea of honoring God. Honoring God. There's a storm brewing. Uh, Jesus is, at the end of his uh, public ministry, he is uh, teaching in the temple. Uh, but it's a stormy time. There's a growing uh, tension and hostility with the religious community. These guardians of the faith see him as a threat to their way of life. It goes all the way back to chapter 2. Uh, in chapter 2, they disapproved of his claim uh, to forgive sins, uh, his hanging out with sinners, uh, his failing to keep the customary fast, and his violation of Sabbath. Uh, by chapter 3, verse 6, um, they are entering into a strange alliance determined uh, to bring about his ruin. By chapter 11, uh, they are publicly uh, challenging his authority. By what authority do you do what you do? And interestingly enough, Jesus seems to fan the flame because in chapter 12, he tells the story of, um, uh, of wicked tenants. And uh, when these religious leaders heard the story, they said, he's talking about us. And suddenly now, uh, they began to unravel, if you will. They are attacking him. They, uh, it's a subtle attack, but attacks nonetheless. They are attempting to dismantle his influence. They are attempting to ensnare him. They want to show him in uh, a less than favorable light. 
Uh, and so at verse 13, they uh, question him on taxes. Verse 18, they are questioning him on um, uh, on, res- on the resurrection. And then at verse uh, 28, they're questioning him on which is the great command. Uh, but Jesus manages to come out of it smelling like a rose. He, he is clear and competent and comprehensive. Um, uh, he, he, he manages to emerge victorious. But by verse 38, he is now striking back. Uh, He says, at verse 38, he says, uh, beware of the scribes uh, strutting around in their long robes and needing to be greeted with respect uh, uh, in the marketplace, um, uh, needing to be seen in uh, choice seats in the synagogue and seats of honor uh, at banquets uh, while uh, devouring the houses of widows and, and for appearances they pray long prayers. He says they shall receive the greater condemnation. Jesus is questioning motives. Why do you do what you do? Do you do what you do out of a sense of a need for recognition or out of a desire to genuinely honor God, to offer God true worship? So often, it seems, uh, persons like the scribes uh, do what they do out of a need for recognition, out of a need to be seen as important, to look good, to, to have impressive things said about them, uh, to, to have choice seats and places of honor given to them. It, it, is, it, is, it is the pretense of piety. The pretense of piety. And I'll tell you something. The the reality is true character can't be measured by seats and clothes. True character can't be measured by seats and clothes. Uh, Good seats and, and, and good clothes don't make good people. Being better makes us better. We are called as the children of God to be better. We, we, should, we should be better, qualitatively better. Not superficially or, or synthetically not better, not pretentiously better, but genuinely better. Better in our actions, better in our attitudes, better in our relationships. We're called upon to love our neighbors, love our enemies, love one another. Jesus says, by this shall people know that you are my disciples. We are called upon to be better, not superficially better, not pretentiously better, but genuinely better. And so there's this shift, isn't it, from, from, from those who pretend to honor God to, to Jesus lifting up one who genuinely seeks to honor God. He spotlights this poor widow and he highlights her sacrifice. He begins by drawing this sharp contrast between the affluent and this poor widow. Jesus is sitting in the temple Uh, Perhaps in the court of the women, he has taken a seat uh, over against one of the 13 offering receptacles and and, and, uh, he's observing person's stewardship. Because he says, where your heart is, there shall your treasure be also. He's observing people's stewardship and he observes the stewardship of the affluent. And he notices that they're giving out of their their overflow, out of their abundance. He, He sees that they are giving. 
But what he notices essentially is they're giving what they can spare. They're giving what they have left over. And the reality is God is better than that. God should never be reduced to that. God should never be given what you can spare, what you have left over, your leftover time, your leftover energy, your leftover study, your leftover conversation. God deserves better. God deserves our very best. God deserves the best we've got to give. And so he lifts up the stewardship of this poor widow because she gives her all. She gives her all. She only has two mites, um, the smallest coins in circulation. Uh, together, they aren't even worth a penny. But, but it represents all that she has, and she gives it to God. Now, mind you, the affluent have given more in portion, but she has given more in proportion. They have given out of their abundance, but she, out of her destitution, has given all that she had. She gave all. God is worth us giving all. All. Did you notice she doesn't hold anything back. She, she doesn't keep anything back for herself. She, she could have kept back one coin. It wouldn't have been much, but it would have been something. But she couldn't do it. She gives everything. She gives all. Have you noticed that often we are guilty of holding something back, keeping something back from, for ourselves? Seldom do we want to give God our whole selves, all of ourselves, all of us. We, we always hold something back. But did you, un, don't you understand? God has not withheld anything from from us, he always gives us his best. Romans chapter 8, verses thir- verse 32 says that, that he didn't withhold his son, but he gave him up for us all. Will he not, along with him, freely give us all things? He has not withheld from us. Why would we withhold from him? Is he not worth our all, our best, our all? more. She doesn't just give him her best. She doesn't just give him her all. She gives him her life. It is argued that she gives him her life in that she gives him her livelihood. She gives him what she needs to sustain that life. And in that she gives that she has given her all. She has given her life. And it is interesting that it would be heard here, isn't it? Because this is a kind of transition point, a halfway mark, if you will. But between the conclusion of his public ministry and the beginning of the passion narratives, it is a reflection of the life of Christ because Christ will give his life. He he will give his life for our redemption, give his life for our justification, give his life for our reconciliation, give his life that our sins might be taken away, our shame might be removed, give his life that you and I might be reunited with God, give his life that we might be adopted into his family, give his life that you and I might become heirs and joined heirs with him of everlasting life. It means he will be betrayed, it means he will be arrested, it means he will be tried, it means he will be crucified, it means he will be entombed, but early Sunday morning, he arises from the grave with all power in his hand. He has given his life. But he doesn't stop there. 
Because it is a picture of true discipleship. The fact of the matter is, he calls, he calls this to the attention of his disciples because that is the expectation of them. They are to give their best. They are to give their all. They are to give their lives. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would lose his life for my sake, he shall gain it. But if you, if you, if you try to save your life, he says, you'll lose it. Famous saying by, by the uh, German theologian, uh, uh, when God, when Christ bids us uh, the, uh, to come, to become, uh, calls us to become disciples, disciples, he bids us come and die. And I know, I know it is not in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures in terms of what becomes of, of the apostles, but when you search, the, but when you search extra biblical material, you find that they do indeed give their lives, don't they? Uh, Peter is crucified upside down. John is banished to the Isle of Patmos. Uh, James is cut down by the sword. Andrew is, is crucified in Achaia. Uh, Matthew is martyred in Ethiopia. You got James, son of Alphaeus, who is, he was, who is, who is stoned? You got you got Thomas the uh, the doubter uh, who is who is who is Lansing. The others we are not aware of what happened to them, but we do hear about Paul. Paul who is beheaded at Nero's chopping block. We do hear, don't we, about what has happened to uh, first century Christians? Many of them who gave their lives for the faith. Some were impaled on poles. Some were crucified on the Roman highway. Some were given to carnivorous beasts uh, in in the Colosseum. And 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 and, and, and all it is a thing to say to us is that that this grace didn't come cheap that this this gospel didn't come cheap it cost something it cost God something it cost the saints something and so the question is what are you willing to give what are you willing to sacrifice what are you willing to offer for the furtherance of the gospel for the furtherance of the gospel what are you what are you so that the generation that comes after us, what, what are you willing to give? Um, a pig and a chicken were walking down the street one day. The chicken sees some hungry children. And the chicken says to the pig, let's feed those children. Let, let's give them ham and bacon and eggs. Pig looks at the chicken and says, yours is a kind gesture. Mine is full commitment. Christ deserves full commitment. Christ deserves full commitment. And, and, then, and then it is not, it is not just... Uh, our honoring God by giving our best, our honoring God by giving our all, our honoring God by giving our, our, our lives, but our honoring God by giving absolute trust. She, she's entrusting herself into his care and into his hands. She has given him everything. She's trusting that he will take care of her. This is an important note for those disciples and an important note for these because to be successful in ministry in the first century or the 21st century, you have to learn how to place absolute trust in Christ. 
absolute trust. Trust that he will take, take care of you. Trust that he will protect you. Trust that he will provide for you. Trust that he will make a way. Trust that he will keep you when you can't keep yourself. Trust, it, it, it is not something that we must merely internalize. It is something that we must teach others to internalize. We must place absolute trust in him. And did you notice that she did it without any guarantees? There's no promises in this text that she's going to get anything back from what she has given. She gives with no promise of a guarantee that something favorable will happen. But she does understand what all of us must understand. And that is when you give yourself to God, when you give yourself really to God, when you give God the best you've got, when you give God your all, when you give God your life, when you put yourself in God's hands, God does something wonderful with your life. Oh, I believe it. I believe I'm in Bible territory. Listen that Abraham, Abraham will tell you, I gave my life to God and he made me the father of many nations. David said, I gave my life to God and he made me the sovereign of Israel. Uh, Joseph said, I gave my life to God and, and God made me the preserver of my people. Solomon said, I gave my life to God and God made me a man of wisdom, the wisest man in the east. Uh, Moses said, I gave my life to God and God made me the liberator of Israel. Uh, Nehemiah said, I gave my life to God and God made me the rebuilder of Jerusalem. The, uh, 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 Mother Teresa said, I gave my life to God and God made me the voice of the wounded in Calcutta. John Bunyan said, I gave my life to God and God made uh, uh, made me a voice for the wounded. Uh, a witness from a Bedford prison. Uh, I hear Oswald Chambers saying, I gave my life to God. And when I gave my life to God, God has allowed me to be a coach for Christians throughout the centuries who want to give themselves fully to God. And I tell you, uh, 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 Martin King said, I gave my life to God and he's made me the drum major of justice. And then there is E.K. Bailey who gave his life to God and God has used him to inspire us to become better preachers, better Christians, and better people. And so now the question falls in your lap. What will God do with you? Will you give yourself completely to him? Will you put yourself in his hands? Will you trust him? Not with a piece of you, not with a part of you, but with all of you. And if you do, something awesome will happen with your life. Give yourself to him. He's worthy.